All right. Welcome, everybody. Uh, we are back Hello. today. We've got uh, Davide has returned to us from uh, from across the ocean. And, uh, and this time we're going live. So uh, we're going to hopefully have some some full interaction. Um, yep. See that that feral human has already made it to the chat. And uh, we've got a question. But first, I just wanted to start off by just kind of asking how you've been. I know it's been a little while since we've talked and um, how things going over there in Italy. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for the question. Well, I am fine. Luckily for me, nothing bad has happened. You know, just stressing a bit with exam, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but not not the major, Norm, normal stuff, standard procedure. So also, my household is pretty fine. We just got a notification from the national government that that my parents, which which are both doctors, they need to start to start the, the, the tracing and testing system because also the GPs in Italy must start uh, to test people because we need more people into the test into the test system to help uh, our public officials uh, to detect COVID better and quicker and quickly. So in general, I'm fine, and there is nothing I can say that uh, is. Uh, that that I can be is everything fine. <laughs> I think this is my main yeah. point. Yeah. Thanks for the question. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's it's kind of an ever evolving question, I guess. Right. It's yes. Changing <laughs> every day. And um, how's everything going with school in general? Is it keeping you? Uh, no, it's fine. It's fine. We had some problem with the exam because you know some professors are now steadily involved in dealing with the pandemic, so they are both uh, splitting between teaching and uh, mm-hmm. doing exams and uh, and taking care of the patients. So it is a bit difficult to follow through, and they cannot be always on time in the lessons. But the university is doing a really, really good job in keeping everything on track. So. It, it is a good university, so I, I I am quite satisfied by it and by the performance of the university. It's great. They, they, are, they are very great people, and uh, I have so much respect for them. They, they are incredible. So are your, are your professors actually basically splitting their time between teaching and, and actually treating real cases? Yes. Yes, for example, my pharmacology professor is both teaching to us and also dealing with patients of COVID. So sometimes he makes some, uh, it, uh, it tells us some news that he discovers or some kind of different therapy that you can that you can use to manage the patients, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, because he says, like for example, I don't know. Yesterday we saw this, this, and this, and I think that this is very interesting for you guys to understand, etc., etc., etc. Because they're like they're. In this situation, it is quite uh, funny because we are uh, we are almost everyone on the same level. They are even if they are professors and and very very intelligent people, they are also basically learning with us almost right. uh, on how to deal with this. So it is uh, it is quite an experience that I can tell you. It, that, it is. Yeah, and that and that kind of goes to sort of what we were talking about before, and how even what I was talking with my friend in the, uh, last week's live stream about the, you know, we can kind of speculate on what the uh, what the long term effects might be with this virus, but the at the end of the day, we're we're just learning as we go along because this is so unprecedented, right? We've never had this particular virus before, and we still have no vaccine, so 
you're there's a lot of just learning as you go along i imagine yeah also if there is a little thing that i can say about the vaccines uh, for now there is at least uh, at my knowledge no data really available on the vaccines they are only the headlines from the pharmaceutical companies so we uh, uh as a medical community, we, the professors, etc., the researchers, they need to, and all the regulatory bodies, they need to understand if the data are true. So before approving vaccine, even into an emergency procedure, they need to have the full data on that and they must see the studies. The studies are not yet public. So even right. if you see, like, for example, Pittsburgh that says our vaccine is effective up to 92%, 94%, 90%, whatever it is, the percentage, okay, what are the data? Okay, they mm -hmm. must publish the paper so they can be reviewed by everyone. Of course, they will do so, it, it, but today they are not yet available. But for sure, in the next coming weeks, they will be, they will be published because otherwise they will not get an approval, you know? Right. Right. So they they will be quite interesting to see. To be completely honest, it will be quite they would they will be really really interesting to understand exactly what they did and how they developed them so quickly because it is unprecedented. Usually, to develop a vaccine, you can take nine, ten, eleven years. You know. Wow. So for now, to develop them like in almost less than a year is incredible. You know. Yeah. Of course technology plays a big role in this because with new technological procedure etc etc it is quicker to develop them mm -hmm. and also the amount of money that they put is crazy but yeah. there are some biological processes that you will not be able to know now for example how long lasts the immunity of the vaccine because you cannot speed up a biological process so right. for example if i remember correctly the earlier clinical trial that started was around uh, uh, May. I don't want to say a, a, a month that it is not correct, but I believe it was in May. So yeah. even if we take the first clinical trial of the vaccine, we will have data from that batch of patients that took the shot of the vaccine until now. So it is what, like six months? At maximum, right. so at maximum we will be we will be able to say that the immunity lasts for six, seven, eight months. You know, right. instead the there are other vaccines that we know for sure that it lasts one year, two year, three months. So you know how many shots you need to give to a patient if you need to do a recall, if uh, you can uh, just do it once. But literally, we had not enough time to understand exactly how long this this immunological memory will last. So right, yeah, it's interesting. Um, and that, you know, that kind of brings up another point, which is when you get COVID, like let's say in the example of Donald Trump, you know, we know he 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 got it, and uh, shortly after he was released from Walter Reed Hospital, he announced that he was immune. The, to to the virus, or that he may be immune to the virus, uh, is that is that irresponsible of him to to say that? Because I I don't know how how can we say that someone is immune to the virus with with how little we know about it. Well, it is irresponsible for sure because no one has the full certainty of the immunity because there are some instances of reinfection, 
even if the EGG and the EGM are present, which are the antibodies that you measure. Uh, the point is that you understand if a person had the virus, if the uh, EGG are uh, are present, so they are like the immuno, they are the immunoglobulin G, which they detect basically if you had, they are specific, they are just for COVID. So they, they are not like for another virus. They just measure COVID, the EGG for COVID. They will tell you that this person had the disease, fight it, won, so now he's protected against it. It is a matter of quantity, how much EGG you have, and, mm. how, and if they are active. So, you know, you need to check this thing. Usually, if you have active IgG and they are present in a good enough quantity, you are immune, okay? Mm. This, is, this is broadly, very, very broadly how it works, okay? So... Of course, only him and his doctors know knows exactly what is his clinical situation. So maybe yes, it's possible that he's uh, quote unquote immune, but we don't know exactly how long this memory will last. So you can mm -hmm. be immune, for example, for one week, and then the week after get reinfected. Right. You know. And you Because could be immune. Have you could be immune, but somebody else might not be, even if they had the same, because that, that was another, you know, he was talking about how, oh, there's no reason to be afraid of this virus. You know, you can, you can beat it uh, because he did. And he was, had access to uh, cl clinical uh, trials, th things that weren't even approved yet, uh, treatments that weren't even approved yet that he was able to have access to that other people aren't able to have access to. And then for him to say he's immune, sort of implying that, you know, you'll all be immune once you get it, uh, seems pretty crazy to, to talk like that. But I guess that's kind of what we have come to expect from him at this point. Yeah. <laughs> his, treat his, his experimental treatment with uh, antibodies, with the monoclonal antibodies, I believe they used, uh, it cost uh, around $1 million. I don't know, Chris, you have $1 million to treat yourself <laughs> with a private accord with a pharmaceutical company? I don't have them. No, <laughs> I don't have so not much yet. No. <laughs> no. Not yet. So, yeah. Uh, you know, um, it, it is so irresponsible to say that also, because uh, as you correctly said, some people are immune and some people get reinfected even if they, even if they just got the virus. Mm. So, you, mu you must always talk and act with a most precaution that you have you right. always must be careful okay right. careful yeah better over the top if anything better to be overprotected than under um okay i had one more question i was going to ask you and then i'll jump to the chat because i know we've got it we've already got a question here sure. um the one thing i wanted to ask you because this was something that we talked about offline and this was something that came up in last week's stream Uh, we started talking about COVID and we started talking about the death rate. And uh, it came up that some people seem to think that deaths are actually being overreported and some, in some cases are used uh, if a person had any kind of uh, COVID-like symptoms, they're being called a COVID death. Uh, is there any truth to that? And, and if not, how, how are deaths actually being calculated or certified? Okay. Um, okay. First of all, we must uh, say that uh, there is a, a human. There is a human who certifies the death. So it is possible that in some cases there there can be some medical error. Okay, it is possible when you have so much death and so so such a big amount of people. It is possible to make mistakes. 
but this is an exception. Okay, so we are talking about very, 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 very small numbers. These are exceptions because the norm is that there are guidelines. There are guidelines put in place both by the CDC in America and in Italy, is, for example, the ISS that uh, are uh, that say exactly how to certify a death of a patient. You actually have, for example, I, ju I just researched it, I just uh, found it. Uh, on the CDC on the CDC site, there is a PDF which called uh, "Vital Statistic Reference Guidance" that it is dated to April uh, of 2020. That says how to certify a death for COVID. You have a two-step, a two-part process, and the most important thing it is called Part One. And here I quote: "The the cause of death is." a disease or an injury which initiated the train of morbid events leading directly to the death of the patient or the circumstances or of the accident uh, that produced the fatal injury. So, just, just, to, uh, just to say it in a layman's term, you get COVID, you, you are an asthmatic person, for example. You already have asthma and you are already a cardiopathic person, so you already have this pre-existent pre pre-existing condition. Mm -hmm. So uh, you get COVID, COVID worsens them because we know that COVID has a pro-thrombotic effect on the patient. So it, it increases the likelihood that the person will will have a myocardial, uh, a myocardial infraction. So it, it dies. Uh, okay. The heart doesn't function very well and it dies. So for this reason, this is counted as a COVID death because COVID directly influenced the pre-existing condition that the patient ha already had that right. lead to his death. Because without COVID, the, that person would still be alive. Right, right. You know? Or, for example, another example, your saturation, your saturation, uh, your saturation level drops uh, to a such high low amount in the body, so you have such little oxygen that causes a multi-failure organ so, for example, your kidney, your pancreas, and a bunch of organs, for example, the brain, stop to function properly because you have too low amount of oxygen. Because just to tell you, the brain uses 25% of the oxygen that gets introduced into the human body. So it is very oxygen dependent, the brain. You have such a low amount of oxygen that simply the person dies for this reason because it right. initiates a cascade of multi-organ failures. This is certified as a COVID death, okay? Mm -hmm. Because the person without COVID didn't uh, didn't have such a low uh, quantity of oxygen, so she or he would be fine. Right. You know? This is how it works. So, yeah. he, so they are counted very, very truly and very, very carefully. Also, you have um, also to have a complete certified death. You have to also have clinical evidence and radiological evidence and uh, um, they are called uh, diagnostic imaging evidence like for example you need to have a, a chest x-ray that shows that this person had covid both with a swab uh, with a test with a swab test that says that this person had covid so it is not right. like that a person randomly dies and you right. count it as covid no you must be sure that that person had covid and covid was part of the cause of that you know i remember the main reason Right, right. I remember uh, a while back, you and I were having a conversation about um, 
about a young person that had had COVID. And I think this person had died. It was, I think it was like a case study you were doing for school, but you kind of showed me a before and after of healthy lungs versus COVID lungs. And this was a young, you know, apparently otherwise healthy person. And as we know, some, I mean, young, healthy people can also die of this disease as well. And I remember even just as a, you know, I'm not a medical, medically trained person, but I, I could see a very distinct difference between the two sets of lungs. So uh, I would imagine that things like that, like you said, are, are being used to, I don't know if you happen to have that. If you had that image handy, that would be interesting to show people. But I, yes, yes, yes. I can, I, I, can, I can find. Yes, yes, Chris. Yes, yes, Chris. I will oh, okay. find it cool. right now. Um. But yeah, I, I just I wanted to kind of bring that up because I think that you know, and the media here doesn't really help because they don't they don't really explain the way you just did in terms of the actual process in certifying deaths. Um, you know, if anything, the media here likes to likes to uh, stoke division, so they'll share the more controversial ideas like the like it's being under like the deaths are being overreported kind of fuels into the whole idea that it's a hoax. We will know exactly how many people have died, uh, or we can presume to know the, how many people have died from COVID only after some years, some years down the line, maybe three, four, five years, when you will be able to take, for example, the registry, uh, someone, of course, some researcher, will be able to take the registry of death of people. So you will be able to compare how many people have died, for example, from of April of 2020 versus April of 2019? You know, mm. you do a retrospect study, right. so you and you will be seeing such a big difference that it is not even counted in the numbers. Um, I've read a study a few weeks ago that talked exactly about this. That said that uh, the excess death of COVID, uh, the the underreporting of death of COVID, it is maybe in the 100,000. So maybe there are, are now 100 people, 100,000 people that are, that are died from COVID, but they are not counted. Hmm. And this and is that, just a first prospectic study that they did. But this right. is the first of the studies. So right. they, they, they will be coming time. Will be coming. Right. And I guess this all kind of continues to play into the same sort of overarching point, which is what we kind of talked about before, and this came up again in last week when I, I kind of I talked about from a speculative point of view that there are potential long term uh, effects to COVID that even asymptomatic people today, maybe even people that don't even know they had it, uh, might experience them, them them in the future. And obviously, yeah. that's not something that we can know with certainty, but it's things that we can speculate on based on, uh, you know, knowledge of, of other types of uh, diseases. Yeah, from the clinical evidence that we have up until now, at least this is what I find. This is what I found. You, some people are not able to recover from the COVID injuries, from the COVID scars. I'm still searching the photo oh, that I sent you back, back, back in the days. It's okay. I don't want. I don't want no, to no, it is, work or anything. No, 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 no. Don't worry, Chris. It is. It is. I am. I am almost there, so it is not a problem. I'm just basically going back in our chat to find okay. it. Okay. So uh, they they can have permanent damage, so they will not be able to recover. 
And what do you do in this case? You know, they have right. a permanent injury. For example, uh, there is uh, there are people that they nowadays they are not be able to work in the same profession as they as they did before. You know, because right. some they may maybe they worked I don't know in the field and working uh, work working on the field is is a heavy is a heavy profe- is a heavy profession. Or the, maybe they were part of the military or the police, and they must be relocated to another duty, to an, maybe to an administrative duty, because they are not able to be on on the street anymore. Right. It, well, it is a nasty disease. Yeah, yeah, it's such a scary thing when there's so little that we know uh, in the long term. Um, so while you're finishing up that, I'm just going to throw up I, this question here. Um, I'm able to actually show, it's kind of cool. I'm able to show questions on the screen. So I'll start off with the first one here. And this kind of goes into like what we've been talking about, how we're going into winter. In fact, you even said this back, uh, back when we first talked in, in the summer. I remember you were saying, you know, right now the U.S. is not taking COVID seriously enough. And COVID is at the time was continuing to spike. And you were saying that in the summer, it's actually at its weakest. And in the winter time is when it's going to be at its more powerful. And so sort of to feral humans question here, how much longer in cold weather does the virus linger in the air and on surfaces? Okay. Um, thanks for the question. Uh, first of all, the virus doesn't linger in the air. So it uh, it stays into... It stays into the air for maybe about 20 to 30 minutes. It depends from the concentration of the air, from the for, from the pollution. For example, in a polluted environment, it stays in the air more. It stays in suspension more. Okay, they can. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was about up until 45 minutes can last in the air. So you can literally breathe it. So a person maybe passed downtown, passed in the street that didn't have a mask. And uh, 45 minutes ago, you are, in a, you are maybe in Chicago, which is a very, very polluted city. It's just an example. Or in Detroit, or I don't know. You choose the place that you like. Right. And uh, the, you will get COVID. You, you can, it is possible that you can get COVID on the same street 45 minutes after, for example, mm. because the pollution keeps it in suspension. Mm. No. It, uh, instead, in uh, a more normal scenario, COVID simply lingers to a material and stays in the and uh, attached to the material and uh, will um, will stay there for a certain amount of hours. That depends from the quality of the material. Also, I found the photo. I can send oh, okay. it to you. Well, where I can send it, Chris? I can send it on the chat. Um, you you can uh, well if you want if you have it on your screen. I think you can just share your screen. If you want to do that really quick, or if you don't want to yes. do that, um, no, no, it's not a problem. Okay, because uh, the other thing we could do is we could, you know, I, offline you could always just send me that link again, and I can post it in the comments. So if anybody wants to refer to it later, uh, yes, yes, I can share it now. You can see it. No, oh, okay. this is not the correct screen. This, maybe it is this screen. Okay, should be this. Okay, this is it. Okay, just to be very quick on this, you can see the healthy lung of a patient on the left of the image. This is a normal TC of a patient. And you can see on the right uh, uh, some lungs with COVID. You can see all this white scar 
this this white tissue it is basically tissue that is dead thanks to covid okay when a person heals you will see all of this tissue going going uh, to, into an healthy state again so it will become basically gray black okay on an x-ray it will be totally black but right now you can see that there is all of this hyperdense tissue that it is basically the disease in in some people this tissue will not heal so if this tissue doesn't heal properly and in some cases i will say it again it happens that it doesn't heal properly the the, the quantity of hair that the lungs of this person are able to to um, to use is less is lesser you know they cannot use they cannot use their lungs to a full capacity so for example they are not able to walk or to run or to do an heavy activity or to do an heavy activity it depends of course of the damage of the level of the damage right uh, also you can see that uh, this this tc explains very very well why in the most critical cases of covid the patients are getting prone why they prone the patient because you can see that the covid is less in the apical part of the lungs here i don't know you can see my mouse mm-hmm. here covid is less than here you know so to recruit more uh more respiratory unit so to help the patient breathe they will turn him they will turn him. in fact you see the pa- the covid patients that they, they are prone on the bed the very very ill serious patient they are prone because they are trying to take the air move the air from here from the bottom to the upper side where the lungs are a little bit healthier right so well that's yeah this case is very very serious i don't believe for example that this person survived if i don't if i recall correctly this person now is dead i see because it, it is so spread that uh, it is it is and, and this was somebody who had like you said healthy lungs prior to getting covid so yeah in the yeah. example in the example yeah, the lungs uh-huh. <laughs> yeah the lungs that you saw they were perfect they, they, this I will share it again. This person is was not a smoker. This person is not a smoker because you see the lungs here; they are perfect. They are cre- they, they are crystal clean. They are clean. Yeah. This person has no progress pathology. The heart, the heart is perfect. You can see it right here. This person is okay. Right. You know. And then after COVID, it is like this. It is crazy. This yeah. is not like a person with some strange or very, very serious pre-existing condition. This is an healthy man. This is an healthy man. Wow. Yeah. Well, let's do this one. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you again for sharing that. Um, I think that just kind of helps to give a little bit of perspective and you know, got me, it was also had me thinking about what you said earlier about the person who has, you know, like, for example, has asthma and they, they die because their oxygen is, their amount of oxygen they're able to process goes down to 25%, I think is what you were saying. But as we can see, this is somebody who was, who was pretty healthy already and still was uh, hit pretty hard by it. Um, also, okay. So I wanted to ask about 
when you we, so feral human also mentioned on services and that actually got me to thinking which is also kind of segues into the next question that i'm going to show in just a minute um but this kind of came up when i came back from the grocery store the other day and i was sort of mentioning to my wife you know this is the the part where we take all the groceries and put them into our house and we just have to kind of pray that these groceries themselves aren't covered in in germs from covid and then she had said that you know from what she understands that the germs don't really linger too much on the surface as much as in the air uh what what is your what are your thoughts on that is there is there a risk of catching covid just from the groceries themselves the surfaces uh, yes, yes, the risk is there. The risk is there. Uh, it is definitely there. For this reason, you should always uh, clean the groceries and clean everything. Wash Simply wash them under water, okay? Simply wash them, okay? And uh, because it is possible to, to that COVID is there and attached to the skin of your hand and maybe you rub... Uh, the rub your nose or or rub your eyes uh, or scratch your eyes etc etc and it enters it can enter through the mucus of the eyes for right. this reason the doctors uses the face shield they use a face shield if you see them because it can it can enter through the eyes wow. so it it is possible um so it of course it is not the easiest way to catch covid but we cannot say that it is you know safe it is not right. safe Okay, so here's here's the next question from from Tap. Mm -hmm. I've read transmission requires about 15 minutes cumulatively of close exposure to an infected person within 24 hours. So are quicker, more frequent trips to the store safer than one longer one? Um, it depends. First of all, this is uh, it is not like a mathematical thing that says if you are more than 15 minutes, you will catch it. If you are less than 15 minutes, you will not catch it. It is just uh, it is just a prediction, you know. It, it is just a general uh, a general thing that we say that uh, it is of course it, it is common sense to understand that if you are in an in an ambient with covid and you stay in this exposed environment for a longer time it is easier for you to catch it they calculated a, a, on a time around 15 minutes of course it is correct of course i stand by it so in this in this case in this in this time it is it is possible that you will still get it it is not like if you are in the store for 5 minutes we are sure that you will not get it because it depends from the concentration in the air of covid okay right. it depends on the amount of covid that there is in the air for this reason it is essential that everyone around you wears a mask right. because they will protect the environment in which you're in because right. if you are super unlucky for example let's say that you go to the store 3 times the first two times there were people with COVID, but they have a very, very small amount of viral replication in their in their oral cavity, in their oropharyngeal cavity. So they have it, but they don't spread it much. And then the only time in which the third time in which you go to the store, you are so unlucky that you find a super spreader, which are people that have a very, very, very high concentration of COVID into their oropharynge, into of their oropharynge, they they will spread it a lot. So even if you're in the store for 10 minutes, it is possible that you will catch it. Right. So it, it is a matter of luck. Okay? Yeah. But I guess I guess it would be fair to say that to 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 Tap's point that it it in a vacuum, you know, there's like you said, there's so many external factors that can play into it, but you know, all things being equal, shorter trips more frequently would probably be a safer bet because you're not allowing as much time like it or put another way, like 
going to the store four separate times for 10 minutes each would probably be safer than going one time for 40 minutes. I don't know. I don't know because you are taking into account only the ambient of the store. So if you go to the store, for example, by the car and you use a car, yes. But if you use, for example, a tra public transport, no. You know, because mm -hmm. you need to take into account four three or four different types of, of possible exposure, for example, right. on the bus. Right, right. It, it depends on what we are talking about. If you are talking with a car, yes, you are totally right. If you are talking instead on a more uh, public transport or, or also going on a walk, et cetera, et cetera, I don't know, you know? Right, right. Well, those are both really good questions, especially the, uh, the, the grocery store one was one that... You know, I hadn't even thought about that. Uh, um, but and also, you know, you bring up an interesting point because, you know, sometimes you get people who are, you know, they're in an environment together, perhaps at a grocery store or some other sort of, you know, in inside place, not outside. And we figure, well, we're we're 20 feet apart. It's OK that we don't wear masks because we're you know, we're not in that six feet socially distant uh, area, but then it seems like what you're saying is that the the germs of COVID themselves can can linger in the air, so that even if you're not within six feet of somebody, those germs might be out there, and you're you're being exposed to them anyway. Yeah, it travels. It travels. You know, if there is an, for example, it is we have seen that if there is an air conditioner into a closed environment, it will help it greatly to spreading uh, because it will simply move the air around. Right. So it will increase dramatically the transmission of COVID into an indoor environment, you know? Right. Okay, so we've got another good question here. If you have COVID and are asymptomatic, do you get rid of COVID by quarantining for 14 days? If not, what helps you get rid of something with no symptoms? Uh, okay, uh, it is a very good question. Um, it depends. The only way to know for sure that you no longer have COVID is if you have an, uh, if you test the negative to a molecular test, which is the test that you do with the swab, and you have at the same time also a night. Well, usually we do only that, but if you want, like, be super sure to also to have build up memorological immunity, you also do um, an antigen test, a serological test that measures the EGG level and the EGM level. And you see, for example, that you have a high amount of EG, EGG. Okay. So you have the EGM that the, I will tell you briefly the EGM are produced when you are fighting a disease. So if your IgM level are like zero, it means that you are no longer fighting it. Okay. And at the same time, you have a lot of IgA, IgG, um, IgG. They will this the these parameters tell you tells you that you basically have fought and win against the virus. So it means that you're immune. So you have a zero IgM, so no longer fighting it. High IgG, you have you you have a you have a memory. Okay, you can simply remember them by um, well, no, it is in Italian IgG. Well, it, it well, I don't have an English technique, sorry to remember it, but it is what it is. So uh, this is a serological test. So how can you know it? You simply, if you're asymptomatic, you don't know. You quarantine for 14 days just to be sure, but uh, you must do a test. You must do a molecular test and see if, the, if, the, if it is present in your, your oropharyngeal tract. So it means that you are asymptomatic because the key point is that if you are asymptomatic, if you can spread it around, 
you must quarantine because otherwise you are going to infect other people. This is right. the reason why you quarantine. How, because, um, you know, one of the things that I've read is that people sometimes have tested negative and then gone out and did things socially. And then it turned out they actually were positive. It just hadn't shown up on the test yet. And then they, you know, then they spread it later because they went out and, and they weren't really safe. Uh, at what point are those two particular tests? Uh, is there a certain time that's ideal to take them? And then, you know, that obviously also leads to the, the difficult question is if you're asymptomatic, how do you know? How do you know when to take it or if even to take it at all, you know? That's a very good question. The answer is that it is very difficult to know exactly when you, if you're asymptomatic, it is almost impossible to know uh, when to do a test, to be sure. Because what you have described, basically, they are the most common error in COVID tests. Because you have two different things. You have two different points of fallacy with the COVID tests. First of all, I will describe the point of fallacies of the immunological test because it is easier. Mm -hmm. So if you do an immunological test and you have not yet built up an immunological memory on your body, it is not fighting the, uh, the pathogen. It is not fighting the virus. Your EGG and the EGM, they will be zero. So it will be testing negative. Right. This means that you don't have the COVID. No, this means that your body, it is not detecting it. Right. And it cannot detecting it for two reasons. First of all, if you're, for example, totally asymptomatic, so like you are a um, portatore sano, it's called in English, um, a safe carrier. I don't know how to put it in English. If right. you're a area of the disease so you have like literally no effects no symptom anything it you not only are asymptomatic but also you are totally not detecting it okay right. so in this case the test will be the the antigen test it will be negative but the pathogen is still there right so that's pretty ineffective. <laughs> it is possible yeah the second the second the second point of fallacies of this test it is for example if you um if you don't, if you don't have, uh, uh, if your body has not yet been fighting it, because there is a point of the virus that it is called replication cycle, because the virus go into two different into two different phases, lysogen, lysogen phase and lytic phase. Lytic phase, it is when basically they start attacking everything that they have around them. They infect a cell kill it, use it, it's, uh, use it to replicate a lot and start attacking everyone, okay? So in this case, your body says, oh my God, what's, go what's going on? Let's start fighting. Or they can go into a lysogen cycle, which is really, really nastier because they infect the cell, stay quiet, don't say anything, continues to replicate and let wow. this cell that they have infected to duplicate. So you will have now two cells that contain the virus. Then you will have four cells, then eight cells, etc., etc., and you do the math. So wow. then after a certain amount of time, this lysogen cycle breaks, and they go into a latex cycle. So you have like 10,000 cells with COVID that they basically die, and they start attacking everyone, okay? They, they, they like start share, uh, creating 20, 30, 40,000 particles of the disease. 40,000 of virus each cell and they start attacking everything. So this is called replication phase. 
if during a replication phase the virus is not detected, so in the end you will be symptomatic and you will get the disease, simply your antigen level will be zero. You see? Yeah. You are not able to detect it yet. Right. So huh. you are negative, you are negative, and this, these phases usually last for five to six days. This is the reason why you, when you get a first exposure, a first possible first contact exposure with COVID, they will not do the test right away because mm. they want to wait to see if you will develop and if you will have uh, some kind of symptoms or at least if you it will feel if it will be readable, right. you know, if you will be able to see it and scan it. Otherwise, it is useless. I will give you the test and you are false negative. They are called false negatives. Right. For this reason, this is the main phalanxes of the antigen test. Then you have another phalanxes, which are the phalanxes of the um, uh, molecular test that simply you have the disease, but you have a very, very, very low amount of uh, replication into the oropharyngeal tract because maybe you did the test too early. Mm. So it is, the, it is replicating, but, you know, with the swab, you go basically here. You enter from the nose and then you you stop uh, basically at the end of the mouth and a bit at the end of the nose. So right. if literally he, did, he didn't have enough time to replicate in that region, you will test negative. Hmm. This is the this is why this is the key important thing for COVID is time. Wait the right wait the right amount of time to do the test. Because otherwise you will, will you will have a false picture because a test it is just a picture of a moment, and you must do the right picture of the right moment. Uh, it's working. Uh, okay, I think I am alone. <laughs> what is happening? Mm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, I will uh, read a bit of the. I will wait for Chris. Yeah, I think uh, Chris crashed. I believe some. Uh, it, it is possible. Okay, so I have the. I have some of the questions here. Uh, that are consistently reliable. The reliability of a test it depends from the time in which you do it. So this is the main point for a for a human. The key point is when you do a test. You know, usually they are uh, nowadays we have very good tests. They are uh, over ninety percent, eighty percent in the um, affidability and sensitivity. So they are very very sensitive and uh, so. Uh, and they have a good specificity. So the problem usually it is not the test. The problem it is the time frame in which you do it. Uh, I think I will answer now to tap. Um, false positives as well. False, false positives are really, really rare. Uh, they are... I believe that some of them exist, but they are so rare, they are not uh, statistically significant uh, or even uh, things that really to worry about. They exist, but they are super, super, super rare. The tests, uh, the tests are, they are, from what I know, 
very, very good nowadays. So as I told you, the problem is when you do them. That's it. Hello, Chris. Hey. I can see you. I can see you again. Thanks for thanks for thanks for running the ship for me there. I was hoping that you'd still be here. Uh, that's, yes, that's of course. <laughs> no, of course, of course, I am here. I, I didn't know what to say or what to do to completely yeah. just without you. I felt so lost. <laughs> well, I appreciate. It. I, I was able to. I was able to see the video for a second, and I saw that it looked like you were answering questions. So I really appreciate that. I don't. I, my normal area of the house where I usually do these. Just I don't know what was going on, but I was able to relocate up to my office and uh, seem to have a connection up here. So, <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Thanks for sticking around. I'm glad everybody's still here. Uh, that was not for Chris. Chris, it happens. It is the beauty of a life. <laughs> it is the beauty of a life to have technical problems. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, a couple times before I've had it where I froze up like that and I was doing the stream by myself. So that's even worse because then it just goes to to dead air um so yeah that well it looks like you've got some more questions here um did 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 we get this one already from feral human uh no i didn't answer uh, no of course i didn't answer okay. um is there isn't to boost our memory prior to expose immunity after exposure okay no, you cannot do anything. Uh, th this is the quick answer. Uh, there is a lot of uh, false information about vitamin D and uh, zinc uh, that uh, it is mind-blowing, but there is no clinical, medical, or scientific evidence that this will help you to fight or even boost your immune system because, for example, vitamin D, it can be related to, uh, to the immune system, but in a very, very, very little way. It is not one of the main components. So it um, no, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. That's it. While doing while dealing with COVID symptoms, you simply need only to follow the treatments of the doctors because what basically what we do, uh, what uh, what they do as uh, with the treatments is uh, help your body to manage the symptoms and basically let the body destroy the virus by itself and understand how to kill it by itself. Because from what I know, of course, it is subject to change what I'm telling you right now. It is possible that uh, nowadays we don't have anything to exactly to fight against the virus. We tried with Trandesivir, we tried with hyperimmune, with hyperimmune plasma, we tried with a lot of different things. But uh, from the data, at least that I've seen, they show very little efficacy. Okay. So the best thing that we can do right now as form of treatment, it is using, uh, it, is, it is basically using, uh, I believe they use corticosteroids, but I don't want to tell you something which is false. Of course, follow the prescription of your physician. That uh, the, the key point is basically to keep the body safe and keep the body from harming itself. Because one of the main problems of COVID, it is that the body starts basically going crazy for this disease and starts to harming itself with a cytokine storm. So you it, it becomes also basically an autoimmune disease. So it is very, very scary. Right. I said, Tap said, too, good, good question. Too bad about the answer, though. Yeah, I guess that, you know, and that kind of points to just the 
the again kind of going back to the that unknown factor and and i think that until we have a reliable safe vaccine that there's always going to just be this kind of cloud of of uh you know gray in a sense of just you have to just do the best you can to Yes, but for example, if you give too much vitamin D, you can get into hypervitaminosis, and hypervitaminosis mm. is very, very dangerous for your kidney. So right. it, it will, it will, it, it will, you will actually hurt yourself, you know. So right. you must, you pay attention what you do because right. you you can have good intention, but uh, not work. Yeah, yeah, it's just like from, jumping from the frying pan into the fire. Um, and you had mentioned before when we talked about that once you have exposure once you once you've been exposed to it that there's nothing nothing like there's nothing that can be done at that point in terms of um a vaccine to give you immunity once you have it you have it you have to kind of let it run its course is that correct Mm, yes uh, you can only manage the symptoms basically you can this this is what they do in the hospital managing the symptoms and keeping you alive until your body deals with it basically and they also will give you a lot of different treatments like trendesivir etc because maybe they can help okay in some patients they help in some patients they don't help it is super complicated there is a lot of pharmacology behind it. it is super complicated super complex each patient is different so we cannot talk about uh general panacea it doesn't it doesn't exist if someone mm-hmm. tells you that there is a general panacea now it doesn't exist i see um i was it, it got me to thinking um when you were talking before about the different types of tests and how it sounds like the is it uh, you say it's, it's called immunological test you said right uh, anti- uh, yes, immunological test, antibo- that, serological test. The, that one of the antibodies, it is called immunological serological test. Right. It, it is basically what that does is it, it tests the level with which your body is, it, your body's immune system is fighting. And, and therefore, if you're asymptomatic, it's going to show up zero because your body won't be fighting it. Um, so if you're asymptomatic, what does that actually mean for you know, I guess I'm trying to think of like how to frame it. So like, for example, like our pain receptors are a good thing. The things that make you feel pain, that's your body's way of alerting you to the fact that you need to address it. If you cut your arm and you're bleeding, it hurts so that you'll say, oh, I'm hurting. I need to fix that up. If you're asymptomatic, is the disease still capable of doing damage to your body, even if you're not feeling the sickness that comes with it? Yes. Yes. This is is the main problem of asymptomatic people, that uh, the disease is still running its course and it is still doing damage. In some patients doing more damage, in some other patients doing less damage, but it it is still damaging you. In some cases, in a permanent way. In some cases, not in a permanent way. and uh, But it is still affecting you. It is very, very rare to have a totally asymptomatic person with zero, zero, zero affection, zero damage from COVID. It is rare. Right. In, in some, in some cases, it will always affect you. And there's another unfortunate answer for tap trails there. Um, so it's interesting, too, because it's like a lot of times here... In America, and again, I kind of point to the media as sort of a culprit here, but you hear about being asymptomatic. It's usually in the context of 
you can be asymptomatic, but you might still be a risk to other people, which is true, obviously. But I don't really hear a whole lot about the effects that it could still do to you if you're asymptomatic, because what I hear oftentimes from the other side, and I'm talking like people who are kind of anti-mask or even just people who are sort of of the mind that we should just let herd immunity take its course. Um, there seems to be this implication that if you're asymptomatic, you're, you're free and clear. And obviously that's not necessarily the case. And again, it kind of just points back to that. There's that unknown factor where we just don't know what we're dealing with here because this is unprecedented. It's a new virus. And we don't But have we vaccine. know. <laughs> I, I, I must tell you that in this case, Chris, we know. Telling that if you're asymptomatic, you don't have any damage and you're scot-free is simply a lie. Because it has been shown that some people are uh, getting damage from asymptomatic, uh, for even if they're asymptomatic. So, so if I don't have your clinical uh, situation under my hand, so I'm literally seeing you, I cannot tell in a general sense that, yeah, being asymptomatic is fine. Right. It, it, it is simply a lie. Right. Well, um, I know that you are nine hours ahead of me over there, so I don't want to keep you too long. I know it's, I think it's 11 o'clock over where you are. Um, Not a problem. But uh, was there anything, was there anything else on this subject that you wanted to share or stress on us? You know, we Americans, we're, we're slow learners and we, um, we oftentimes don't learn from our mistakes. And, and by that, I mean, you know, we, we, sometimes we do a little bit well with uh, trying to, trying to keep up with social distancing guidelines and masks, but then the numbers start to get better. And we somehow think that that means we just go back to normal, you know? So kind of with that context, knowing that, knowing that we Americans can be kind of slow learners, do you have anything to tell us that maybe, to kind of <laughs> try to encourage us to be smarter or do you have, or are you just like, I can't anymore with you guys, just you guys, you're a, you're a lost cause at this point. <laughs> no, no one is a lost cause. Uh, no one is a lost cause because America is a great country with a lot of people. So uh, it is, it, it is not a lost cause. What I can tell you is that um Now we are facing everyone around the world, some in uh, some with an higher cost in human life and someone with a lower cost in human life, a second wave. But the second wave, it is not the end. We will have also a third wave. Okay, because now this wave will slow down around uh, mid-December. This mm -hmm. is what the latest, this is what the latest studies that they've seen tell. And then we, 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 it is very possible that we will get a third wave around um, January, mid-January, start of the February. Okay. Why? Because even if the vaccine is developed, approved, there is a logistical problem and a logistical side of actually administering it and administering it in a sufficient number. To right. have an herd immunity, And so to have a population that it is able from an immunological point of view and from a disease control point of view to contain a disease like this, you need around 80% of the 
up 80 to 90 percent of the population to be vaccinated wow i, I don't even know so that 80 90 percent of the population would be willing to get a, a vaccine at this point right now anyway because there's a lot of people that are skeptical of it well, oh, I am also skeptical, uh, skeptical, as I said to you before. I want to first to see the study. Afterwards, after the regulatory bodies will approve it, I will trust them, of course. But right. nowadays, I don't believe any single pharmaceutical company that tells me see anything. It, it is not Italian, Russian, American. I don't care. First, right. first the data. First the data, right. then, then all the marketing side. So um, the point is that uh, there is, uh, there is the, this lag of time. You know, it is not a thing that will go away now only because even if we have, in the best case scenario, a safe and ready vaccine, we may yeah. produce it, amass it, distribute and distribute in a sufficient number. And this takes time, months. And until we have built up this level of immunity, we are still all in danger, you know? Right. So, so Farrell brought this up uh Mm, I actually am not even sure what that is. Uh, Ivermectin being used off-label for COVID. And then uh, it, is a, it is a drug. It is a drug that uh, it is actually, uh, uh, it is usually approved for against parasitic infection. But, and now it is used against COVID, but all the clinical trials that, uh, all the sorry, not clinical, but all the trials that are going, they are all in vitro. So it is very, 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 very early to say anything. So they still need to be tested in vivo because you, the, the trials go in this way. You have in vitro trials, in vivo trials, and then clinical trials. In vivo and vitro are done in the lab. Then you start to the patient with the clinical trials. And also after you do the clinical trials, you need to do them in a sufficient number. For example, to make a good clinical trial, you need literally thousands of test subjects so it is not right. like that i publish a study with 100 people i can say that this drug is effective no mm -hmm. i need a study with 10 20 30000 people and then i can say that this drug maybe is effective right, you know? right because otherwise you can have a bias and an error in the in the data and the sample in everything so right. also in this case it takes time Um, I don't believe that they are clinical studies already because uh, for what I've seen, the FDA has not approved any type of clinical studies. Also, if you can send me the papers, I can, of course, look look it up because it is possible that I have a lack of knowledge in this. But right. from what I know, this is the situation now. Okay, so this is a name. I don't, not, I'm not actually sure if I've seen this name before. Um, at least I don't recall. Um, I don't know I, who is or who she is. Lackey97. Um, well, welcome. So they have a question. A lot of people don't want to be vaccinated. No vax. And this is kind of what we were just referring to. And their number has grown in the last times. Do you think that the vaccine must be obligatory or chosen by the people? Now, that is a there's a good, good uh, controversial question for you there. Uh, Davide Alvin, for me, for, for me, it's not controversial. For me, it's a matter of public safety. So it is simply that it must be forced. It, really? If if every single safety and uh, if every single safety protocol and every single safety regulation is met, it is not a matter of choice because it is such a dangerous disease that you cannot allow outbreaks to pop up in a country and then reinfect other part of a country again. 
Right. You know, it, well, is, it is like it is like saying I am allowing people to kill themselves on I, or I am allowing people to kill other peoples. It is like saying, yes, homicide is permitted. No. Well, it is literally public safety. It, so, well, so to Tap's point here, he says, uh, let them have the freedom to shoot themselves in the foot. The rest of us vaccinated will be safe. Is that not true? If you're vaccinated, you won't be safe from no. people who aren't? No, it is, it is not. This is the problem. It is not true in a general sense, because first of all, you don't know exactly how, how because we are developing this vaccine so quickly, we don't know how it will affect every single people. We know for sure that if it will be approved, it will not give anyone any harm. But you will have, for sure, different rates of effectiveness. So a people, it is more effective. And to some people, it is more effective. In other people, it is maybe a little bit less effective. And also, there are some categories of people, like the immunodepressed, that they cannot be vaccinated. So we must protect them. Otherwise, we are telling to our, to our weak people, basically, yeah, die, we don't care. You must protect them. You must protect the, the weak ring of your community. Right. If you are... If you are a nice country, of course, and right, you value right. human life a little bit. Well, you know, I mean, honestly, the last year has demonstrated that some people aren't too concerned with that. Unfortunately, um, those are the types of people that would say, you know, the, they should just stay at home or quarantine. You know, if you if you think that you're high risk, quarantine yourself, but let the rest of us live their lives. But um, we're not really in a. Well, I mean, first of all, our, our and I mentioned this last week, uh, I, I don't believe that our capitalist society over here allows for uh, the expectation for somebody to just stay at home for a year. And aside from that, I mean, it is it is kind of just selfish and uh, lacking compassion to a degree that I, I would hope that as a so-called first world nation that we would be beyond that where we would have you know equalized compassion for all of our citizens i guess unfortunately that's not necessarily a given thing um i wanted to ask you so on the side okay so that is an interesting topic though i want to go back to the immunizations really quick so how do you do okay because first of all so you mentioned that for some people they that they can't actually get an immunization because of their whatever their immune system so obviously those people wouldn't be given vaccinations but how do you force a vaccination on a population i mean how do you how do you enforce how do you do that see what they did uh, with uh, the viola with uh, i don't know how it is called in english Uh, for example in italy it was mandatory to give a vaccination of viola which is a very dangerous disease and uh, everyone, everyone in Italy, there are some vaccines that are mandatory. You are not mm. able to, to choose. In general, they are infectious diseases. Okay, mm. that are very, very dangerous. So in this case, you simply—I I know that sounds like from 1984 or some Orwellian thing, right? But the government has the data on everyone of us. So it is not not at all that difficult to send an email, to send a letter, and to send uh, and to organize a campaign of vaccination. And if the people are not complying, you simply go there with the police. Hmm. Literally house by house. It is like they eradicated polio, polio from Africa. They went house to house. Of course, using the force, it is not your first and should be literally the last resort 
that you have. Right. But uh, in this case, it is literally a matter of public safety. And public safety, it is a word to... It is a cute word, but behind it, it is literally you must care about the lives of other people who maybe cannot be protected as you. And you cannot be selfish on this. It is not a matter of choice. Right. Well, yeah. And again, I mean, I just go back to that that point about, you know, in theory, you know, it sounds like a good, good thing for everybody to be on board with. But we have shown in the last year, I mean, even up until this day, even with all the data, even with uh, the the death toll approaching 300,000, even with CDC uh, and, and, and who, you know, World Health Organization all being on the same page uh, with wearing masks, social distancing, even with all that, there is still a significant chunk of our population here in our country that just thinks it's a joke and is still will put themselves and their kids in exposed situations. And I mean, if we can't get people to get on board with just, I mean, it's not like we're, we're, we're house arresting people. We're, we're, you know, we're asking people to wear a mask and to maintain social distance. And the fact that even that gets that. It is crazy. It is Chris. What you're saying is totally right because it is crazy. It is crazy. Not only in America, in every single country on earth. If everyone, follow the simple rules of social distance and wear a mask, you would have no problem because the economy would be running, everything would be running, etc., 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 etc. I know that it is a bad example, but look at China, or if you want a better example, look at South Korea, a more democratic example. They practice literally to the letter the rules, and they are fine. Their economy mm. are running, the factories are open, the bar are open, the restaurants are open, etc., etc., etc. But you must practice this. Right. Also in Italy, we had the problem into enforcing this. You know, it's not like in Italy we are like a, even absolutely not. We have also a lot of old people who, for this reason, we have a lot of deaths. Right. Um, yeah. But you said you guys have pretty strict uh, regulations on masks. So you said yeah. it was like. Five hundred dollars if you don't if you're not wearing a mask in public. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. It I is. It is funny. It it is funny because if you look at the Italian legislation for the for the spreading of of an infectious disease for a voluntary spreading of an infectious disease like being positive and going outside because there are people so stupid that sometimes they do this because they they literally, as you said, they think that it is a joke, that it is just like the flu and all of this stupid shit. So, sorry for the bad word. They, 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 in Italy, for, in the old days, like literally in the 1900, uh, they would be, there was like the death sentence for them. Now it is not like this anymore, luckily, but in the 1900s, there was the death sentence for the mm-hmm. col- uh, for the um, for the what's called in English uh, for the willing for the willing spreading of the of a pandemic disease. You will if you, if for this reason another another person is dead, you will you will be death sentenced. That's it. Nowadays it is like life. Nowadays it is like 30 years of prison, I believe. Mm. If you are willing to spread a disease for each person that you infect. For each person wow. that you infect, it is like 30 years. It, it, is, it is very, very strict. It is not a joke. Uh, and that's and this was in this was in China, you were saying? 
or Italy? No, in Italy, in Italy, oh, in, in the Italy. old, in the in the Italy, in the old legislature code, in the old, like uh, in the nineteen hundred, like one hundred years wow. ago. It was it, like this. It, it, you know, and it really does. Um, it really opens up some interesting questions about, um, you know, the scope of government, the government's ability to control, you know, when it comes to, like you said, uh, public health and safety, um, you know, we all, we have environmental regulations. We have, especially here in California, like now you can't smoke in, indoors. You have to be in a certain distance away from a building to smoke. And, um, you know, I think generally that, that the public is, for the most part behind that, but we certainly don't have anywhere near consensus um, on that sort of thing, on the idea of legislating for the greater good. And, you know, as, as, as I've said before and, other, and others have said on other YouTube channels, like at the, at the end of the day, you have to change hearts and minds. You can't legislate our way out of this. And, and if everybody just had that, compassion that feel of looking out for for all of us collectively we, we wouldn't have to force vaccines on anybody right i mean we would just be everybody would just kind of be so it's an interesting you know we kind of some people we like to cling to our freedoms here um as guaranteed by yes. the constitution but you know mate but everyone in the western world has their right and their freedom. It is not like only America. I think that one thing is that Americans need to understand, not you, of course, but some people in America needs to understand that it, there is a difference between freedom and public indifference. Mm. You, you can have freedom and you should be a free person in your right, but your freedom must end when it starts hurting others. This is, right. the, this is the ending line, because right. otherwise it is just indifference. And right. indifference cannot be accepted in a civil society. Yeah, I mean, that's a good way to point it. That's a, that's a good way to put it. You know, uh, we we have the right to freedom of speech, but you can't you can't slander other people. I mean, you can you can actually get you know you can't you can't call somebody something that they're not. You know, something that would be um, detrimental to their their reputation, things like that. Those are kind of common sense things, but it's it's sort of to your point about you you can't just have ultimate freedom to just do whatever you want whenever you want. It has to take into account the safety of of others, and it uh, it makes me kind of wonder about just the 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 term freedom. Um, you know, I don't think that there's full agreement on what that really means. I actually remember being in high school, we, we wrote a, we wrote an essay on, on uh, what's the price of freedom basically. And kind of like, where does, where does freedom, how far does it extend, you know, and then where does other safety, your safety, this was also shortly after nine 11. I'm kind of, I'm kind of dating myself here a little bit. Um, <laughs> but this was, yeah, this was after 9-11 and it was sort of in that context because it was around the time we were going into war with Iraq. And and again, that was this whole manufactured uh, idea of, you know, we're fighting them there so we don't have to fight them here. And, you know, we're, we're again, Americans, we have a good history of of using freedom 
as a uh, as a basis for some of our poor decisions. And, uh, you know, it just brings up an interesting point about how, you know, the force, because I can tell you right now, the, the idea of forcing the country to take a vaccine, uh, that would be very, very high. And like you said, it's not controversial, really, but it would be highly, highly controversial here. Um, yes, I know. I, I think I think the first thing that must be done, it is... Uh, uh, it is a public. Uh, it, is, it is a public engagement thing. For example, uh, showing people uh, uh, what is a vaccine, explaining that it is safe, explaining why it is safe, explaining what are the consequences, explaining what COVID is and why it is important to get a vaccine. I think the first first you must do a public campaign. Of course, I think they are getting ready. I hope that they are getting ready to do so. Right. So you need to build the public trust in this way and you must i know that in america you have very 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 politicized media but literally in this is such an important issue that everyone from fox news to cnn to every single part of the media must be on board on this literally a dream of mine in this situation would be like i don't know the president of the united states literally takes every single head of the organization of this news organization news outlet that says okay the time of games now is over because we are literally risking the lives of, of, of our people and of our country. Please yeah. follow these steps. Because it is literally, it is a, such a serious situation that the grown-ups must be, must be in the room, mm. literally. You, yeah. you cannot think of share, of rating, or of the amount of money that you will make or lose. Not now. Next year, yes, you can start uh, dissing each other as much as you like, but not on this. Right. That's, um, wow, yeah. <laughs> because, because, Chris, it is, it is a problem of the whole world. It is not yeah. only a problem of America. Because uh, if, as President Conte, the, president, the Prime Minister of Italy said, if an outpost withdraws from this battle, you will be a new center of this thing. Because if it becomes endemic and you don't eradicate it, it maybe the vaccine will last, I don't know, three years. In America, you don't have eradicated it. And in uh, between four years, so I don't know, in 2025, a new outbreak will start again in the US. And if it will spread to another country, you will have right. again a bit, a little bit maybe of local lockdowns, etc., etc., etc. So it is a thing that you must eradicate, like polio. Right. You must destroy it. Well, we have, uh, you know, we, when we don't have leadership here that that makes an example for others to follow. I mean, we had we had a president who literally at the debate with Joe Biden, I mean, he was criticizing, he was making fun of Joe Biden for wearing masks. And then within the week, he, he was shown to have contracted COVID himself. I'm of course talking about Trump here. Um, but he, he, I mean, he was throughout the campaign, he would make fun of Joe Biden for wearing masks. I mean, can you like, I, here's a, this is the thing. I know I kind of brought it back to Donald Trump again, but the thing with Donald Trump, is that he uh, he never ceases to continue to surprise me with his behavior and his rhetoric. 
But I also think it's important to pick pick out things like this and not just say like, well, you know, that's Trump. Like that's what we've come to expect of him to say stupid stuff like that, right? And to be to be a poor example of leadership. But we still have to hold him accountable for each and everything. The fact that he's out there criticizing the other candidate for not for for wearing a mask so much, and then in, in the middle of a pandemic, a worldwide pandemic, that's taken millions of lives worldwide. Um, I mean, that's just indescribable. And, and, you know, kind of what I'm, what I'm getting at here is like, to your point about um, sending a message to the people as a leader. And I, you know, to, to be fair, like, I don't, I don't let Gavin Newsom off the hook. Cause I don't know if you know about that story, but the, the governor of California, he got busted a couple weeks ago for uh, going to a dinner with more than 12 people. You know, the, the California guideline here being, no more than 12 people, no more than three households. And he was at a gathering, sitting at a table, no mask. He got he got caught. And, uh, you know, he apologized and said he made a mistake. But I think that really that really um, took a um, took us back a few steps, you know, just in terms of people's uh, belief on whether this is really something because he, he looked like a hypocrite doing that. And and. You know, my my stance on it is the truth is still the truth, whether your leaders are good leaders or bad leaders. You know, you still have to you have to use your own judgment and your own mind and realize that, you know, politicians, they're not really looking out for your best interests right now. They're they're. You know, they're just kind of playing a role. You have to you have to go. You have to read the CDC and read the actual literature and understand so, yeah, I don't know how we're going to get to that sort of point that you're describing when we don't have leaders that can do that here. Mate, mate, I don't, to be completely honest, I, I have no answer on this. Yeah, I what know. I can, I, what I can tell you is simply that uh, that that's one of the data. And if you don't reach the threshold, it will become uh, endemic in the country. And if it becomes endemic, it is very, very difficult to get rid of because you will yeah. have a very small... Uh, uh, clusters of the disease right so it is a thing that you must get uh, rid of i'm not saying quickly but there must be a collective action a collective effort right. uh, it is li- it is literally um a war a war a, a, war, a wartime effort literally it, it is like a war right i know that so- some some people don't like when you use military te- terminology to describe a disease because me too i don't really like it but it is the most close comparison that they can think as an effort. Right. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you know, when you bring up military too, I mean, like, I remember, you know, maybe you, maybe you, well, it's ironic to me too, you know, that some, some people in the military are kind of skeptical of this and some aren't so much, but I remember being, in basic training, um, you don't get through basic training until the whole company is on board, working together as a team. You know, nobody. And and what would happen? I remember uh, there would always be people holding us back, and I was just waiting for them to push them back to another because they'll they'll hold them back a week. You know, they'll put them with another another class, basically. And I'm like, we're not going to get anywhere until these people are not in our class anymore because they're they're not getting on board. And it's the same thing. I mean, if you have 
uh, you have a significant chunk of the population who don't take it seriously, then I just don't, I don't know how we're ever going to get out of this. Um, one thing that uh, I've been seeing lately, people pointing to the death rate itself, the percentage going down and the idea there being that we're, we're killing off the weakest. So therefore the percentages are going down. I mean, I just, it's kind of blows my mind that people would even go that route. I mean, the reason yeah, it's yeah. going down, the reason it's going down is because people have died. The people that are, that are more susceptible have, have died. Yeah. How can be, I have a question. How can be this even acceptable as a point? As yeah. A talking point. Yeah. No, I know. And it said, <laughs> it, I mean, it, it's even said like, well, you know, the people will say like, oh, well, I'm not, not trying to sound, you know, cruel or uncaring. It's like, well, but, but you are, I mean, you're, that's what you're doing. You're, you're kind of, and that, and that gets back to that, that herd immunity idea where it's like, well, let's just let everybody get it. And, but, but, It's to have gone. an herd immunity, to have an herd immunity, 80%, 90, sorry, 90%, a little bit more in some cases, needs to have the disease. How mm. many millions dead are we talking about? Yeah. Yeah. You want to count the dead in millions? This is, this is what people, this is what these people are yeah. proposing. You are proposing a, a genocide because this is a genocide? Right. It, it, it is stupid. It is simply, it is simply mind blowing. It is such a stupid talking point because yes, of course we must reach the herd immunity, but the point is how we reach it. If we reach it through a vaccine is one thing. If we reach it through a viral infection, it is, it is another one. Yeah. I, I just did a very rough estimate of the world population, uh, putting it at 7 billion, trying to account for you saying like 90% getting it. And then I put a 0.2%. If I apply a 0.2%, death rate to that so times 0.02 i got 140 million so that's how many deaths you'd be looking at worldwide 140 million chris from our last conversation you know that we are talking about the directs directs death of covid then you must count also the indirect death of covid right. for example this year there are literally people in the thousands that will die Because they cannot get a screen, a screen for cancer, a, a cancer screen or cancer or cancer treatment. This will not be counted into COVID deaths, but they are in my book COVID deaths. Right, right. Because they cannot. Because they wouldn't have maybe they wouldn't have died had they not gotten it. You know, because yeah, it, it is not it is not a point of got, of getting it. If you have cancer right now and you cannot get treatment for cancer, you, you cannot get screening. Mm -hmm. Imagine that you're a imagine that your wife has, has breast cancer. She cannot get screening for cancer because the hospital it is occupied in dealing right. with the pandemic right now. Yeah. And and then your wife degenerates and dies. This person will not be counted as a COVID death, but mm -hmm. this still this person is died. For a nine direct causes of COVID. Right. right. So well, also here the number is much, much higher. So yeah. people who say these points have no literally no idea of what is 
uh, healthcare system, how it works and what are the consequences of it. Right. Well, and the thing that I've been saying for a while too is that I, I think that uh, I think that this whole pandemic situation here in the United States has, to me anyway, illustrated the the need for a universal healthcare system. Now, obviously, I acknowledge that I'm biased in saying that, that because I've always been pro a universal healthcare system here in the United States. And as we've talked about before, that's kind of a, not really a radical idea over where where you're from, but. No, it, it is simply respecting the human right to live. To live, right. And, and I mean, it seems to me that you're, you know, to your point about the, the cancer patient not getting caught for, you know, not catching the cancer because the hospital didn't have room or you could even have somebody with asthma who can't get access to a respirator because they're all being taken up. Do those things... Uh, those things happen under a universal healthcare system because if if we have universal healthcare, then we have funding. We have more funding to cover everybody. Whereas, we're, like right now, there's a cap. Like our our resources are capped because it was strapped down by money. You know, I it depends. It, it is not a matter of if, but in how much. You know, yeah. you must always reason on how much people are not getting treated for this in a universal healthcare system type and into a privatized healthcare system type. For example, in Italy, uh, we have created what we call COVID hospitals and COVID-free hospitals. We mm. use the COVID-free hospital to treat every other disease. I see. You know, yeah. so uh, it is... Um, so I'm sure... That of course there are some cases, but if you do the comparison, they are much, much, much lower. Mm. You know, so it, it it is what it is. The your your healthcare system it is literally the worst of the of, of the first world countries of the advanced yeah. economies of the first world countries. Well, and you know, part of the the problem that presents itself with our particular healthcare system. And, and I, I really, I mean, it's been exacerbated by the pandemic, but it existed even before that. Uh, people don't go and get basic treatment because they can't afford it. And so, you know, they, what happens is they end up, they don't get the small type, you know, maintenance health issues. They don't get those addressed because they can't afford it. They'll go to the emergency room when it becomes an emergency. And then that's on the taxpayer dime because they, they can't legally charge, like they will treat you in the emergency room, even if you can't afford it. But that kind of goes against the whole point, which is if we just had a universal healthcare system in place, we would actually save money because people yeah. would be getting treat a, they would be getting preventative care they wouldn't be waiting until it was an emergency and then perhaps you wouldn't have hospitals being overrun with people when, when things like this happen because people have been got you know people have already gotten the treatment that they needed Chris, uh, i was i was talking with a friend from the u.s who works into the pharmaceutical sector is uh is basically sells uh, drugs at the cent at at the hospital and he was telling me the prices, for example, for insulin, they are like a uh, confection for six months. It is uh, like $2,000. Mm. Okay. It is something crazy. In Italy, yeah. this is free. This is free. And a person in the United States must pay $2,200, $2,300 yeah. for a life-saving drug. Right. 
Well, it's like EpiPens, you know, for Epi, for people who are allergic to kids who have uh, like a peanut allergy, you have these these EpiPens that they just the they just hike the prices up. I mean, they had to make legislation to not allow that. Basically, it's like the point is that there is no reason to do so. There is no uh, pharmaceutical reason to do so because to produce insulin in big quantities is super easy. It is not like it is a costly process. You need to use some strange of device or some strange yeah. machinery. No, it is really it is one of the most simple simplest thing to do to mass mass produce insulin. Okay. Yeah. So th- there is no actual, you know, uh, scarcity of the resources. It is just an inflated price because it is medicine for profit. I mean that's. It is crazy. Yeah, it is. I, I don't, I don't know how that can be seen as moral to people, but uh, yeah. Well, um, I, uh, I, 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 unless there's any more questions, I, I, I think that uh, you know you've got. I know you're still in school and everything, so I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to hold. No, up no. It is. It is not like that. I have lesson to do tomorrow. Tomorrow for me is Sunday. Yeah. That, so. But you, yeah, but still, you need your sleep. You're That's for sure. Growing <laughs> young man. <laughs> um, but yeah, we should definitely do this again. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, we make it through this winter. Um, <laughs> yes, we will. Yeah, but um, I'm just was just check was seeing if there were any other any other questions. Um, well, yeah, David, it's just, it's definitely been a pleasure talking to you. Um, I appreciate you too, Chris. Yeah, you too, I appreciate Chris. having you around. Um, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks everybody for sticking around too. I've enjoyed the, the questions and everything. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we'll talk to you later. All right, take care, everybody. Don't be afraid to question the consensus. <laughs>